Squeeze In Forever, a podcast where One Tree Hill superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. I'm Caitlin Illinich. And I am Jeremy Rodriguez. This week we are discussing season one in our special recap episode featuring messages from listeners like you. This podcast is spoiler free and we will not be discussing anything past season one. However, stay tuned at the end of this episode for a special announcement on how you can access our first discussion on Season 2 early. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Oh my god, Caitlin, I am really excited about like what the special announcement is about access to season two early. I wonder what it is. Oh my gosh, I'm just on the edge of my seat, Jeremy. Me too. I really can't fucking wait. I'm I've been waiting for this for a while. It's not like we're writing we wrote the script or anything to talk about it, you know. This is literally a surprise for us too. <laughs> Anywho. Season one recap. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> So, to kick us off, one of our listeners, Jenna Lee, asked us to rank the core five characters according to this season alone, and we happily obliged to that. But also because we like to do this to ourselves, we gave ourselves a little bit of extra homework, and we also rank the adults as well. But first up, let's rank the core five. I love this question. So, I had <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of it myself. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about this. Okay, what's your number five then? My number five, I don't feel like this is going to be surprising to anyone at all, is Lucas. <laughs> because I just feel like he had a lot of gaslighting moments. And I feel like he, he sort of had the reverse journey that Nathan had, which I know is very intentional. How like, you know, the character, um, Nathan started off as kind of the ass and that he's slowly became a good guy. Lucas experienced the exact opposite of that. And that's very intentional. I feel like for storytelling purposes, that's very interesting, of course. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of moments where Lucas is just played unlikable during moments where we where we are supposed to be rooting for him. Yeah, I think you have a valid point there. Um, He's kind of a tough character. I didn't rate him as my fifth, but... He makes some questionable choices in this season. Yeah. He really does. And I'm not even talking about, like, the objectively terrible moments, like cheating on Brooke and whatnot. Like, of course, like, we we know those are bad. I'm talking about, like, instances where, um, like, Haley would come to him and then he would just, like, outright gaslight her. I'm thinking about the episode, what was it? I think it was episode 113 in particular. Which one was that? Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact fight that it was about. I know there was a moment with the cheerleading, but that wasn't, that was 117. Remember, he was, he wasn't gaslighting her, but he was giving her a hard time for being the cheerleader, filling in for that role. Remember? I yes, I do. Re- we took yes. issue with that particular scene. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah, that whole, that whole encounter, I just did not like it at all because it sort of like objectifies his previous girlfriends like Brooke and Peyton. It's like, okay, like it's okay to have sex with your, cheer, you know, with, with cheerleaders, but, or make out with cheerleaders because he hasn't had sex with Peyton yet that we know of, of course. But then Haley is his best friend and she can't be a cheerleader. Like Haley has to be like the original and unique. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like what is that whole narrative supposed to be about? So 
It's like she's held to a different standard. Mm-hmm, exactly. Where did you rank Lucas, though? Like, is he, like, very high up? If he is much higher up, don't reveal it yet. He's in the middle. Oh, okay. All right. Well, tell me your number five, then. So we'll I feel like you're going to hate me for this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I put Brooke as my number five. Because Whoa. I, Whoa. I, I love, I love Brooke. I do, but not season one, Brooke. I'm just not into her character in season one. Okay. Can, can you see that a little bit at least? I, I mean, I'm sure Brooke's probably your number one or number two. <laughs> I'm not saying a word, <laughs> but go on, go on, talk to me, talk to me. I feel like I just, yeah, obviously I feel bad for Brooke with the whole cheating thing, but like she's not really my favorite character in this whole season. She really isn't. And the one thing that kind of stands out to me is how she knew, and we we talked about this obviously when it happened, but she knew when Peyton liked Lucas and she still made moves on him anyway. And I know she gave Peyton a lot of notice <laughs> and chances to make her move, but I feel like- Yes, a, remember that one encounter? But as a best friend, I just felt like she should have known. Well, Brooke's not a mind reader, you know? That's that's always my she's, like big Yeah, she's not a mind reader. But that's one thing that bothers me about this whole season, to be honest. So she's not my favorite character, and I feel like it's a little harsh to rate her number five, but I feel like there isn't much evolution in her character either compared to the other four. I will say that she is she is pretty one-dimensional in season one. I will give you that. And that's not that's not on Sophia Bush at all, but that's definitely on the writer's part. Oh yeah, of course. And Brooke will definitely be ranked higher, if not like number one at some point, like oh, even next season. Absolutely. So, like, I feel like it's harsh to say that, but that's just my honest opinion. She's not yeah. my favorite character in this season. You and just I, gotta go with what you feel. Yeah, that's I, that's I great. That's great. Well. You may hate me for my number four pick, then, if we're going to go into this. Because <laughs> my number four is Peyton. Oh, snap. And it's... I I enjoy Peyton. I enjoy her presence, of course. But it, I, I'm writing this based on pure, like, joy. Like, whenever I saw her on screen, I didn't really feel like that sense of joy that I felt like with other characters. If you get what I mean. Yeah. I get that. She definitely was working through a lot in this season, like em- emotionally. Yeah, like the whole issue with, um, I almost felt like that there were moments where she would like bend over backwards for Lucas as well. And I felt like it was like a little bit inconsistent with the character that we saw in the beginning of the season. And I and I know like a lot of people actually criticize her in early season one. Like everybody says, oh, Peyton's a bitch. And then she like, you know, grows on to be like a more interesting dynamic character. But yeah. I, I don't I don't really know what I'm trying to say there, but it, it just seems like she gives in very easily to Lucas eventually. And that's the only thing that's like interested about her character in this season. You mean like Until she we... starts getting closer to Jake. Okay, yeah. So as like the middle of the season towards the end? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Like, her storyline all hinged on like relationships. It did. 
But there was definitely internal struggle, too. And I, I feel like some of those... She's definitely higher on my list. And um, I felt like some of those storylines were interesting to me. It, she had to work through a lot with her dad. And the loss of her mom is still, like, kind of fresh. Not that mm-hmm. fresh, but, like, she was still dealing with it. And I, I also feel like she did grow as a character. And she became more confident as the season went on. And that's what I appreciate about Payne's character overall. I do say, yeah. I'm not saying I don't see that. I definitely do. And I feel like this is like such a weird question to answer with like ranking the characters. Just honestly, they're all my babies. Like I'm not going to like pick a favorite, you know? I know. I agree. (laughs) They are. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I would still say, yeah, Lucas, you're an ass. You're number five. Everybody else, you're equal. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back, do you remember the conversation we had about Peyton with uh, running through red lights and how we compared it as a narrative of the self-harm? Yep. That was so long ago now. Wow. But. That was one of my favorite th- discussions we had this season, by the yeah, way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just so like, you know, so put a spotlight on that whole thing. Uh, that was, I felt like that was like a very interesting layer to her character. That I felt like they didn't really like delve into after that. We didn't really delve into a lot of like Peyton's pain. Beyond, like, those early couple episodes. Yeah. I I agree with that. They didn't... As the season went on, they didn't continue to explore that. Exactly. Because then it all focused basically on Lucas. Yeah, and her relationship with some other people. And, like, honestly, I felt like, as I was watching season one, I want to know more about Peyton, like, as a person now. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was like, I feel like we were left out on that. And that makes me kind of sad. One other thing to note, though, that I did like is how... She ended her relationship with Nathan, which I felt was real. Like, I was proud of her for doing that because it was such a terrible thing. I mean, obviously, we knew they were not supposed to be together right away. But she ended that. And then I feel like she started to find herself a little bit more and what she wanted. And she wanted a healthy relationship. And it didn't work out with Lucas. Then there's something going on with Jake. I don't know. She grew up. And I like how... Her and Nathan were able to become friends, which is a really Mm -hmm. rare thing, especially because they had such a toxic relationship. Yeah, exactly. Like, we saw that in the boy toy auction, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we rank our top favorite episodes later. Yeah. Spoiler alert, (laughs) that's in my ranking. (laughs) Same. But yeah, and um, I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this too, but the episode in particular where she goes through the date rape situation, where she was definitely, she was definitely the victim of me to get in time to like process her trauma. I, I feel like Peyton's just a victim of bad writing. I don't even think it's Peyton necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, because they, we, we said this before, but like they didn't continue to explore that storyline. It was a one uh-huh. episode thing and we never got the aftermath of it they just moved on and like there was no therapy there was no like i don't know working it through with their friends and family like what happened it just we moved on it was a plot point and that was that yeah lucas is just like oh nothing happened i'm like something did happen to her let's make that very clear something happened to her it doesn't like you know it it, it was kind of it was very belittling but like i said bad writing not so much peyton's faults but who's your number four, though? So my number four was Nathan. And I oh, want to wow. preface this with I loved his evolution 
obviously. Um, but it took a while. It took the whole season, basically, for him mm-hmm. to become this good guy that you could trust and count on, basically. He he started off... I, we don't even need to go into details about that. <laughs> he was just this terrible boyfriend person. Yeah. He, you know... He wouldn't acknowledge his brother and he all of these terrible things. They kidnapped him and threw him in the mud and it was just terrible. Like we could go on and on. I love his evolution, but like I can't discount the beginning or the half or more than half of the season where he was terrible. You know? Aww. But he's better but now. I he know. Changed. This is why this exercise is so hard. <laughs> like he's obviously gonna be higher up. I don't know. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> He'll be higher up later on. Fair uh, fair enough. I had to go with like I didn't want to overthink it too much. So I wrote my list of what my first thoughts were. Right. Fair enough. I mean, he's my number 2, and I feel like it's just because he had the most he has one of the more fascinating journeys of the characters of the season. Like he wasn't very static compared to Compared to, say, Brooke, which is going to be ironic when I reveal my number one spot. But <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I feel like that's why I liked him the most, because he definitely was the character that changed the most in he, that regard. Yeah, he definitely was. I was back and forth, and I was back and forth about Nathan and Lucas. And I have Lucas as my number three, and... Nathan as my number four, and I was going back and forth between those two, and I wasn't really sure, <laughs> honestly. All right. <laughs> because, and I guess we can just move into my my number three, because Lucas, you made such valid points about his character. I don't know. I don't, For some reason, I like Lucas. Like, I recognize the terrible things he does, <laughs> but I liked the story. I liked his story this season. Because it started the whole show, and I felt like it was an interesting concept that he was the other brother that was left behind, basically, by his dad, raised by his mom, and he turned out even better than Nathan. <laughs> like, had, he wasn't even, he was in a single-parent household, and obviously had the, an amazing mom, so no wonder. But, like, it just kind of shows you, like, how you're raised can really affect, like, who you become. And, yes, he made poor choices, but overall, I liked, like, his character and, like, the opening conflict of the whole show. Does that make sense? I see what you mean, yeah. And just like I said, I feel like I'm, like, completely contradicting myself with my rankings and all, but like I said earlier, Lucas's character development is kind of the reverse of Nathan, where Nathan started off as a shitty guy, grew grew into be a good guy. Lucas started off as a good guy, turned out to be a shitty guy. But still, my whole issue with Lucas is that, like, there's moments where we're supposed to be rooting for him, and I think he's still pretty shitty, you know? Like, his moments aren't addressed in the narrative as being shitty. The difference with Nathan in, in early season one is that I feel like he's outright addressed as, like, hey, this is a pretty crappy guy. And Lucas, we don't really get that. Yeah, you're made, like you said, you're made to root for him and think he is the good guy from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like good versus evil, basically. Yeah. Which I do understand, like, we're so knee-deep in Lucas's POV that, like, of course we're gonna, like, naturally root for him in some instances. Like, I mean, like, the the whole thing where he cheated on Brooke with Peyton, I feel like we were deep in his perspective right there, where it felt, like, really justified looking at it through his eyes. Mm-hmm. 
But at the end of the day, it also was addressing a narrative like, hey, this is wrong. I'm talking more about like the other things that he did, like the gaslighting and the slut shaming and whatnot. Yeah. There's we could go back and forth between these two characters, really. We really can. Because like there's <laughs> obviously good things and bad things about both of them, and they both have a different progression as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. It's hard it's hard to rate them. It, it, this is really like hard. And the more we talk about it, I see your view, and I'm sure you see my view, and it's like Yeah, definitely. <laughs> After this, we're going to be like, we got to re-record and we got to change our rankings entirely. Basically, you're going to convince me otherwise and I'm going to convince you. It's going to be really confusing. (laughs) What was your, who was your number three? My number three is Haley because, and she's like smack down in the middle because she just brings me so much joy. Yeah. Get it? Bethany Joy lens. (laughs) I love it. Her character state i mean she has growth she does but Mm. i feel like more consistently she stays the same and she's like just this good character Mm -hmm. like this pure soul basically i i don't know how else to describe her like she's just what what can you not love about Haley? exactly with the exception this isn't an exception it's more like um Remember at the beginning of season one when she is like a comedian? She's like a goofball. <laughs> yeah. And then she she's still funny throughout the show, but it's just it's just so funny to see her in like early season one. So I guess she changes, but I feel like that's just like a right and change. I feel like they they got the hand of like Bethany Joy Lenz's talents and they were like, okay, let's give her more of this type of work. And I felt like it works in their favor. Yeah, I agree. Like they didn't know exactly who the character was in the beginning, but uh-huh. They figured it out. And one thing I would say about Haley, I actually ranked her, should I tell you? Go ahead, yeah. I ranked her as my number two. All right. Um, The one thing that I would say about her character, though, is, like, they didn't give her a lot of good stuff in the beginning of the season. Like, she didn't oh, have definitely. good storylines. She wasn't really a huge character. She basically was with Lucas. Like, she was just friends with him. And that was basically mm. how she was in the show. She didn't really have her own storylines, but as we get deeper into the series, and including next season, it gets... she Her storylines get so much more interesting. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, as you can see at the end of the season, she's now married. <laughs> oh, God, so, we have to talk about that. So things are definitely going to get more interesting. <laughs> For the listeners at home or in your car or whatever, I am shaking my head right now. Yeah, he really is. Just saying so you know. <laughs> I mean, do we have to talk about it again? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it plenty in season two, That's you know. For sure. Also, oh my god, let's not talk let's also talk about the fact that she loses her virginity, because you know virginity is a real, like, important concept in life, you know. <laughs> As we've said in countless episodes. Yeah, we really, like, dug into that concept in this season. <laughs> virginity few, is a, a... few times there. We're going to say that again. Virginity is a social construct. It doesn't mean shits. It means whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Haley, she made good decisions, I feel like, the whole time. Like, the whole season. But then we have this decision at the end with getting married. And was like we covered in the last episode like was that decision did she make that decision in order to have sex or felt like because she i don't know like i still don't feel like i have an answer to that 
is that why they got married? Like, that's definitely an element to it. I feel like a lot of people think that. Like, when people, like, when people analyze and whatnot, yeah, that's what it seems like. Like, oh, you have to get married first before you have sex. And that's the... Mm, I feel like that's, it's just given into that whole uh, construct, that whole social construct. Yeah, and so, and then the fact that, like, the whole marriage is totally out of character for her. Yeah. And so that's my... T- I love her character, and I think, like, she was consistent throughout the season, but that whole decision doesn't match with, like, what we know so far about her. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And, yeah, they didn't give her good stuff in the beginning of the season to work with, really. So. Yeah. But overall, I, I enjoyed Haley, so I rate her as yeah, number same. two. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, though, about, like, her not being, like, not getting much in early season one, though, because I do agree, but I felt like every time I saw her, I was like, oh my god, she's so great, I want to see more of her. And then, thankfully, we did get more of her. And those scenes in the beginning, while they didn't do a lot for her individually, they built up Lucas and Haley's friendship. So, mm-hmm. and that was a joy to see. I'll just throw yeah, that absolutely. pun in there again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> So would you say that you're also looking at Haley through a similar lens as you did back then? <laughs> you're too much. I cannot handle you. I wish there was something we could do with Bethany's name, but like there really isn't anything. If you can come up with something better for Bethany's name, please feel free. Like, I don't know how us. I would do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Email us with your pod. Always OTHpod at gmail.com. Oh my god. Okay, so we both set our number threes and our number twos. Who was your number two? My number two was Nathan. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, it was Nathan. Which okay. We already talked about yeah. him. Uh you you talked about Haley. Okay. So, so I put my number one as Peyton. Of course. Because I've always loved her character and I like her in season one and I I feel like I already said my piece about her. The storylines are interesting. One thing I would say, though, she was really angsty at the beginning of the season. And I understand why people didn't really take to her character right away. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a known thing that a lot of people didn't really like her. Yeah. But I think as the season went on, you kind of... The show explored, like, why she was angry and just kind of angsty like that. You know, there were reasons why. It wasn't that she was just a mean person. Right. For no reason. Like, they're, they could have explored it more, but you did get enough reason to understand, like, where she was coming from. And she was- Do you feel like they made her- Go ahead, sorry. sorry. And she was in a toxic relationship. So, that's another thing. Yeah. Do you feel like they made her intentionally nicer as the season went on? I think so. I, I'm- Pretty sure that was stated somewhere. Like, they had to kind of revise where they were going with that character because they really weren't liking her. Yeah. Like people which people uh, overall weren't really liking her. Yeah, but that honestly makes me think a little bit about, like, a 2003 mindset, though. I almost wonder if it's, like, did people give her a hard time because she was a woman and she just happened to be mean? Because I don't think people really... Did people hate Nathan back then? I don't think so. I think people said, like, oh, Nathan is a complicated villain. With Peyton, it was just like, oh, like, we hate her because she's a bitch, quote unquote. And it makes me wonder if, like, there was some sexism involved in that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, which I feel like we could write, like, a whole think piece about. Like, is that the reason why we didn't like Peyton back then? 
and I'm not saying that I didn't like her. I'm saying that overall, I feel like viewers didn't You're like her. You're about the fan perspective. Yeah. yeah. So I never remember having feelings like that about Peyton, to be honest. But I think, yeah, you're right. Sexism probably had part to do with mm-hmm. that because I don't remember and I don't remember reading anything or, you know, watching any commentary about Nathan's character. Like, I feel like, you know, I don't think they had an issue with him necessarily. Like, we knew he was a jerk, but <sighs> that's really tough. I'm not sure what my thoughts are about it. I'm trying to grapple with that. He got a free pass, I feel like, because yeah. he was a man. Like, let's just it's, let's just call it like we say it here. It's hard to articulate, but I think that's that's what it was. And his mm-hmm. evolution as the season went on, it became clear like where they were going with his character. Like he was becoming a nicer guy as it was a clearer progression that I would say Peyton. Does that make sense? I get what, yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. Like, Peyton was a little bit more subtle. I think Nathan was drastic. I mean, it took a while still, but, like, it was pretty drastic when he did start to change. Yeah. it's a, he, he develops, yeah, he develops over time with... There's the whole thing, though, with, with, yeah, with the sexism, because women are supposed to have a smile on their face and be happy and pleasant. Like, that's... <laughs> that's just... What's expected of you, basically. And if you're grumpy or you say something with an edge, it's like you're a bitch, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But those same thoughts don't really apply to Nathan, I don't think. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, everybody's, you know, everybody said that back then. Like, oh, like, you know, Peyton Peyton is terrible. And then they had to change her character. Like, and Nathan, they did do that. Like, he was terrible. Like, they changed his character. But like you said, it was... They were actually putting him in that direction, it seemed like, which I'm basically repeating everything you just said. I don't even know why I'm saying this all over again. <laughs> it's <laughs> but okay. Anyway. <laughs> but you get what I mean. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I, You know, my thoughts are a little messy there because I, it's kind of a tough thing to analyze like back then and what my thoughts are now. And I already know what happens to both of these characters throughout the whole show. So it's, it's a little difficult. Um, yeah. I don't think I ever, like you said, you never really hated Peyton, and I feel like I never did either, actually. Yeah, I, I never did, so. So, like, when I was, um, when I was reading, like, or when I was listening to some commentaries and listening to those interviews and whatnot, like, fans hated Peyton, I'm like, they did? I'm, you know? Yeah, and, like, since I didn't watch it in season one, like, as it was airing, I don't really know, like, in real time, what the perception right. was. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, we weren't on, like, the message boards and everything until season three started. Yeah. Message boards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Old online lingo. (laughs) Kids, message boards was basically, like, Twitter, except it was, like, in this little confined place. I mean, there's still- Where only people on the message board would say it. There's still message boards today. They're just called something different. (laughs) Pretty much. Right? I mean, isn't that what Reddit is, basically? You're right. You are right. You are right. (laughs) They just were probably a lot more clunky back then. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Discord is also a really great message board as well, quote unquote. Hmm, I don't know anything about that, Jeremy. 
yeah, I mm, guess we'll move on with that. <laughs> guess we'll just move on. I don't know what Discord is. <laughs> Anywho. So who was your number one, Jeremy? Who do you think it is? <laughs> Brooke Davis, always and forever. <laughs> of course. And, I, and here's the thing. I really, really tried to, like, unknow what I already know about her, of course. But I just, I could not ignore the absolute joy I felt every single time Sophia Bush came on screen. You gotta go with what you feel. <laughs> I just couldn't ignore it. But also, too, like, I'm also trying to think of it from, like, a 2021 perspective as well, because... I feel like back then when I watched it, I was like, oh, Brooke is terrible. But there was like definitely some misogynistic tendencies that I had back then that I feel like I don't have now. Yeah. You know, like, Brooke is evil. I'm like, Brooke is really not evil besides that one episode, Life in a Glass House, where she's like outright toxic. Yeah, that was her worst episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Probably her worst episode of the series, I would even say. Agreed. <laughs> hard to say. Um... But at the end of the day, she's not evil, and I feel like I'm looking at her with a new set of eyes. I'm looking at season one, Brooke Davis, with with a brand new set of eyes. Like, she's not evil like I thought she was. So I feel like I'm giving her a little bit more credit nowadays. Okay, that's fair. I mean... I just love her. The readings, like I've already said, they're so hard to do. Like, obviously, (laughs) I like things about each of these characters, and there are things that annoyed me about every single character, too. So... Mm -hmm. It's just hard to, you kind of have to do, like, exactly what you said, like, go with what you feel, because, I don't know, it's not so concrete. For sure. To rate them, but. I love Brooke in the future. I do. (laughs) She's just perfect. (laughs) The greatest character of all time. Not greatest One Tree Hill character. Greatest character. Period. Oh, snap. He said it. I said it. Put that on the record. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. The adults. This was easier to rate than the teens. How did you feel about that? Uh, I I definitely knew who my number five and my number one was. I felt like the other ones I had to shift around a little bit. I wasn't really too sure about them. Got it. I think I instantly, like, wrote my list. Okay. Well, who's your number five? Dan. Oh, real? Okay. We're, we're, like, really disagreeing on these lists, and I love it. (laughs) You don't have Dan as number five? I don't. I mean, like, he's enjoyable. Like, he's a villain you love to hate. So is that what you're going with? Yeah. uh, Yeah, honestly. I was kind of going with, like, who the best people are. Yeah. And he's obviously yeah, the worst one. Yeah, Caitlin and I had like a little discussion about this before we started recording. Caitlin's like, how are you rating these? Are you rating someone who the best people are? Are you rating them based on like who you like the most? And I'm like, well, I mean, kind of both, honestly. I know. See, that that's why it's tricky. So I rated Dan. I mean, obviously he's a terrible person. And I do love to hate him, but like I can't. He's just awful. Compared to the other four characters, I don't know how I could put him anywhere else. Right. Because these other characters are fantastic, but you can also have the argument that Dan is super interesting. He might be the most interesting character of the five. Mm-hmm. But overall, I feel like season one Dan is just pure jerk. There's no other way to put it. 
And they kind of, like, delve into some of his more complicated tendencies. Like, you see the lockbox that he has of with pictures of Lucas at his desk. They try to humanize whatnot. him. That's for sure. Yeah. He's very complicated. He's not, like, he is very evil, but he's not, like... 100% evil. I feel like they try to justify him. There are moments where I question, I'm like, seriously, dude, why do you care so much? In particular, the finale when he coaches the basketball team. I'm like, dude, why do you care so much? But, like, he also told Lucas that he wanted his mom to get an abortion and never have Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's where I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, that's, like, the this... worst thing you could say to someone. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, like you said, you get to see the lockbox. His parents came for that dinner, and it's all revealed that, like, his mom was protecting him from his toxic dad. And there are layers. Like, he wanted custody of Lucas at some point. There are definitely layers. I I cannot deny that. But he is, I don't know, he's pure villain to me in season one. That might not be the case as we move further into the series but season one he's like at his worst almost you think season one he's at his worst in some ways be careful with what you say <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna give any spoilers away but i i think yeah. you would argue with that Ugh. we'll talk about this off the mic okay <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that's a hot take. That's, that's okay, all I'm gonna say. I take that back. Like, okay, cut this. <laughs> no, we're gonna keep it. Keep it. Like, let's let's get a free flowing conversation here. I'm interested. <laughs> okay, he's obviously not at his worst. I misspoke. There's other things later on, but I think this is one of his worst seasons. All right. Okay. Fair enough. It's Fair enough. One of. One of. Okay. Just because he's pure evil to Lucas. That's really like what stands out in my mind. I gotcha. He's um I mean he's my number three for what it's worth. Okay. And I think it's just because I feel like he's just entertaining to watch. Like I felt like I wanted to know more about him. So he's like smack dab in the middle of this five person sandwich. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You're Oh, oh now I feel I misspoke, <laughs> and now it's going to bother me all night. <laughs> it's going to be fine. People are going to be like, Caitlin, what? Uh, I feel like you get to see more of his layers as we move on, and I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. Feelings are complicated, my, you know what? They can change. My feelings are really complicated. Like, yeah, like, you're going to be, I, I'm going to say, like, if people are, like, really, really keeping track of, like, the things I list as, like, my musical moments and, like, the things I rated fives out of fives, you're going to see, like, oh, there's going to be a lot of, like, inconsistencies with, like, the things I listed for my top favorite episodes and favorite songs, which we'll be talking about later on in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. We can be inconsistent. We're only human, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my number five, though, is Whitey. And... It's just because he doesn't get enough, like, screen time or enough work. Like, Barry Corbin is wonderful, and they really underutilize him. Yeah, they do underutilize him. I agree. And I know you pointed that out as we went through the season, too. I just love Whitey. I just love him, though. Like... Yeah. 
I do too. Every time he's on screen, I think he's an absolute delight, but I feel like he has to be number five just because we don't see enough of him. And that's really it, you know? I think he's a character, and he he's my number four. He's a character okay. that, because, like, I had to rank the others higher up, but he brought, like, a lot of, um, what is the word? Wholesomeness? Yeah, wholesomeness. Like, there were touching moments between Whitey and, like, the teen characters. Peyton, I think, for one, they kind of, you know, had that moment of grieving for their loved ones. And, you know, he had many moments with Lucas and Nathan individually. And he just kind of had these moments where you kind of got goosebumps. Like, oh, that was so sweet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. How he, That's fair. How he coaches these kids and, like, has... He's a part of their lives, and he's, like, mentoring them. I don't know. I just find that. I always love those storylines with, like, a coach that changes a kid's life. And that's kind of what he did with Lucas. He gave Lucas a chance, and then that that's changed the whole, you know, his whole life, basically, and caused everything that happened this season to happen. That's true. But I feel like he could definitely get sidelined in that whole situation. Yeah, I mean, he, he could have more, for sure. Yeah, he had sidelined, like, it's like, oh, Whitey took a chance on Lucas, but then, like, I feel like, you know, uh, Lucas's relationship with Whitey, for example, is sidelined in favor of his relationship with Nathan. Not saying that's not where the story should have went. It definitely should have went there. Oh, uh, so you think, yeah, he had more scenes with Nathan? Y- yeah, yeah, for sure. That's where I'm like, mm. No, talk about Lucas's relationship with Nathan, to clarify. Lucas's relationship with Nathan? Yeah, I feel like, you know, like, Whitey's taking a chance on Lucas to, like, you know, bring him onto the basketball team. Like, I feel like that could have been a story that really could have been delved into. Like, you know, Whitey being, like, a mentor figure sort of deal. But then, instead of that, they moved on to Lucas's relationship with Nathan. Which I feel like was a great direction, just to be very clear. But Whitey gets sidelined, and that's why he's number five for me. That's fair. That's fair. But I do love Barry Corbin. He's an absolute gem. Who's your number three? My, I didn't even get to my number four yet, girl. Oh, you? Oh, I didn't get. You didn't give me your number four. You're right. Yeah, number three is Dad, which I already talked about. Uh, my number four is Keith. Okay. Just, just because the whole situation toward the end of the season where he's blaming Karen and whatnot, it was very hard for me to root for him. Looking at him through a modern day lens, where I was just like. Yo, dude, Keith, like, I want to like you, but come on, my dude. Back off a little. (laughs) Yeah, I can't. I get that. I just can't. I give him. He's ranked as number three. And I just feel that he. Like, I just love Keith. (laughs) That's as simple as that. I just love Keith. You know, I love the fact that he was there for Lucas. And I I'm rooting for Karen and Keith. Unfortunately, that's not working out. But I understand why Keith, you know, wants that. He feels like he built a family in Tree Hill with his nephew and his mom. Like, yeah, I get it. And I agree. Like, at the end, he's kind of pressuring Karen. Mm-hmm. And then he's making some bad decisions about sleeping with Deb. <laughs> <laughs> And then Dan punches his own car window. I still can't get over that moment. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. But that's my hot take on him. That's all. Yeah, I don't have much more to say about Keith. Pretty much covered that. Yeah. So wait, who was your number? So 
He was my number three. He was your number. Th- who was your number four again? Whitey. Okay, Whitey, and then Zan was number five. Okay, yeah. so we already went through five, five through three. Okay, uh, who's your number two? So, guess who our top two are? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just depends on which order now. Debro. <laughs> Hell yes! <laughs> the ship of the century. <laughs> oh my gosh! So my number two is Deb. So my number okay. my number one is Karen. All right, I do the exact flip. I have number two is Karen. Number one is Deb. But come on, like talk to me. Oh my gosh! Really? You don't have Karen <laughs> yeah. as number one? I thought for sure that you'd have Karen. We really are flip flopping everything. My we are. goodness! I'm kind of into it though. <laughs> It gives us an opportunity to, like, cover everything. Yeah, basically. So, I mean, Karen and Deb, I love both of them. Like, Mm -hmm. I love both of them. Deb is great because, like, I don't know. I feel like I need to talk about them together. I feel like I'm you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. Talk to me about Deborah, Caitlin. Talk to me. I love... Have you bought into the ship? I really appreciate this so, so much. Please. First off, I love the fact that they had these two women become friends. It was such an unlikely friendship. And it was just like a pleasure to watch because you would not expect these two characters to be friendly. And they mm-hmm. they totally went against like that stereotype of like women hating women. And yep. They did the exact opposite, which is fantastic. And then the fact that they're becoming business partners, it's incredible. Yeah, and actual partners. <laughs> In Jerry's fan fiction world. <laughs> you got it right. I'm then. telling you, like, it, this could be a complete, like, legit ship, though. Like, because we don't know what's happening off screen. Who knows what's happening after hours in the back of Karen's cafe? <laughs> You never know. Yeah, you okay. And then I like Deb's character is is just like I don't know. Barbara Allen Woods is fantastic. Like she's funny and she has like these sweet moments. And I love that she's coming she was a working mom and she's coming back and trying to mend her relationship with Nathan. And I like that she's trying to get out of this marriage with Dan. And she's an independent woman. I I love it. And then Karen, she's just steady, stable. And you can't help but look up to Karen. Fair enough. What did you decide on number two versus, like, how did you decide your rank two versus number one? Because I feel like Karen, she was just consistently... Oh, I don't know how I decided, Jeremy. I really don't. <laughs> Are you going to change your rating real quick? <laughs> I don't know how I decided. I just kind of went with my gut. Karen Karen is just such a good character, and I, I love that she, you know, she has her own business, and she's also an independent woman, and she raised Lucas mm. by herself, and... She stands up for herself. I love that about her. She went into, she spoke to Dan, I think a few times in the season and just gave it to him. How dare you? Exactly. Like, I really look up to that. (laughs) How did did you choose? Because 
I don't know. I mean, my whole thing, Karen was just, Karen was very warm and loving and wholesome from, like, day one, I feel like. Besides those moments where she rightfully called out Dan, of course. And then, um, and then I put Deb as number one because, yeah, she's also warm and loving, but I feel like she has a little bit of fire in her. Like, she's feisty. She does have fire. And she's a little bit, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of range for her character, I feel like. Yeah, there is. Like, Every time I see her, I'm like, I want to know more. Not that I don't want to see more of Karen now, of course, but although Deb just brought me a lot of joy. I I can see that. I'm they're almost tied, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so too. Yeah, they're pretty much almost tied for me. Like, and I just I love Deb. I think she's a magical human being. What can I say? Yeah, she does have fire. You're right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. But should we move on to Jenna Lee's next request from us? Sure. Jenna Lee wanted to know our top five favorite episodes. I was easily able to come up with these. Okay. Talk to me. What is your number five? So my number five was episode 106, Every Night is Another Story. Oh, wow. I almost put that on my list, but it's not on my list at all. Really? <laughs> Yeah, which I, it's funny because I think that's like the first like really good episode of the show, and I just didn't put it. I'm surprised that's not on your list. Yeah, I feel like there were just better episodes after that, personally. I I like that one because I always look forward to that episode, and I think we said that originally when we talked about oh, it. Same. So there's an away game, basically, and everyone, players, cheerleaders, and also Haley go to the game. But the whole episode starts off when it does a flash forward and then you go back in time and see how they got there. Yeah. <laughs> and Lucas and Nathan are in the middle of the road walking and the three girls are in the car and they are like almost run into them. <laughs> yeah. And you're wondering like Brooke, Peyton and, and Haley, they know each other. Yeah. They all know each other now. What is this? And that Lucas and Nathan are working together. What? I chose it because I felt like the relationships, like you got glimpses of different relationships in this episode, like Lucas and Nathan, Peyton and Haley, and then Brooke as well. Like, and there were just funny moments because Brooke was also like on painkillers and she was all loopy and that was just funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What was your number five? It's also, I just want to say real quickly, uh, that's also the horniest episode of the season, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the very, very gay, very, very gay episode for me personally. I mean, I'm sure like, you know, straight women enjoy it too, but you know, I just want to speak my truth. But um, my number five actually is um, episode 17, Spirit in the Night, which is the Sparkle Classic episode. Awesome. I put that as my number four. Oh, it's so cool. Wow. <laughs> but like, I, that episode brings me oh, that brings me so much joy seeing that every time. Like seeing Mouth pull off his dance moves and just like, you know, seeing all these characters together. It was just so great to see, honestly. Yeah, that's just like, generally, that's a really fun episode for the whole season. Yeah. And it was a nice change of pace from like the high drama that, it, that happened previously. So it was, it was just great to see that personally. And it brings Haley, because she's kind of like the outsider in the basketball cheerleading world, and it brings her in a bit more. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that aspect of it, too. For sure. What was your number four? 
My number four is episode 12, Crash Course and Polite Conversation. You know which episode that is, don't you? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That is the episode where Lucas and Peyton make out in a motel room. That episode's just so well-structured. It really, really is. Like, how they, one of the few fives out of five, we both gave that a five out of five, didn't we? Yes. I believe. Um, Just, like, the whole idea about how Brooke is sidelines and, like, you know, we actually, like, we as the audience temporarily forget about her because we're so, like, deep in Lucas and Peyton, like, you know, getting together. I'm just, it was just very genius writing, and I can't get over that. Ever since I looked at it from that perspective, like, I just, I just fucking love it. Rewatching that episode, I remember like this was now obviously months ago when we recorded one twelve, yeah. and I remember going into it. I'm like, am I going to have the same like feelings about it as I did, you know, as a teenager? Mm. And I remember finishing the episode and was like, I loved that episode, and even for reasons that didn't even have to do with Lucas and Peyton. Like, obviously, I love yeah. that aspect of it, and this is also on my list. I won't reveal exactly where that is right now but um another big reason why i loved it is because you get the whole scott family dinner too and that's like a Mm. huge scene because there's so many different dynamics at play because remember Haley sees the grandfather stop at karen's cafe she knows who he is the whole time they're at dinner and then we get the whole big reveal that you know dan's knee injury that he and his mom faked that kind of faked it or whatever um the circumstances surrounding it he just decided not to rehab his knee and go back to basketball but his father never knew that and it i don't know i feel like the two big there were two totally different storylines but like it was just done so well and i agree the writing was fantastic oh of course and that fucking song who was that stereophonics uh-huh. maybe tomorrow uh-huh. <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> I'm sure I know where that I know that's coming up for you personally. Oh I, my god, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Great, 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 great. <laughs> uh, what is? What's your number three? Okay, what was my number three? Uh, one eighteen to wish impossible things. Okay, okay. So that is the boy toy auction, and I'm sure hell yeah, sure that's on your list too. Oh, it is. <laughs> and once again, like. The um, Sparkle Classic and the Boy Toy Auction are the two, like, they're just so fun. They're the most fun Mm. episodes of the whole season. And I love the different pairings of the characters. Once again, like, I feel like they do that really well in season one. And I'm curious now, like, moving forward into the other seasons, like, there's several episodes where, like, you get these different pairings and it, like, adds to, like, it develops the relationships between these characters and individually too and this is an episode that really does it and it's just plain fun so yeah (laughs) oh yeah of course i always love when any show does that like characters who normally don't get a lot of screen time get some screen time together yeah it's just always refreshing to say there's a whole different dynamic it brings to the whole show Mm -hmm. we got brook and mouth we got um well we've had nathan payton earlier in the season but we got to see them in a different context this time around which was really cool yep we get Lucas and Haley for the first time in a while. 
And, I mean, we also get our uh, favorite ship of all time, Larry and Karen. <laughs> we know how much we love them, you know? Oh, and then the whole Jake and Nikki thing, too? That, too, yeah. That was interesting, so... We got some context behind our relationship, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I guess that one's ranked high on your list, too. It, it is, yes. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Did you say your number three yet? Yeah, that was that was my number three. Oh, you said that. Okay. Oh, I, I have to say my number three. Um, My number three pick, and this is like a problematic fave, I feel like. It's uh The Search for Something More, uh, episode eight. And that's the episode where we get the first uh, Brucus moments. And that's also the episode where uh, Nathan and Haley have their first date. And it's also the infamous episode where Peyton experiences date rape. And... That problematic storyline aside, how they push aside her trauma, I feel like that episode is very well structured, and it just kept me, like, I was so engaged watching that episode. Each time I watch that, I'm very engaged, even when I know what happens after watching it several hundred times. Several hundred? Maybe dozens. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched that episode a lot, actually, but I just think it's good. I'm surprised you put that one on your list. Yeah, I was surprised, too, but, like, honestly, like, when I, so when I made this list... I felt like I just needed to, like, you know, write out the first episodes I thought of when I think of my favorite episodes of season one, and that one just kept coming up, honestly. Wow, I didn't even think you gave that one a five out of five. I didn't, no. I think I gave it, I I may have given it a three, maybe a four. Oh my gosh. But, like I said, like I said, we're complicated people, and we could, like, have a complicated range of emotions. I thought for sure, (laughs) 106, Every Night is Another Story would be on your list. It's not, I know. Like, I was going to put that at number five, actually, but then I'm like, no, there's better episodes. <laughs> Interesting. But that's just me. Because I'm pretty sure you rated that a five and I rated it a four and I put it on my list. Interesting. <sighs> okay. We're complicated we people. Are. What can we say? <laughs> we can change our minds. <laughs> so mine, okay, we're on number two now. Yes, we are. Mine is 107, Life in a Glass House. Same. (laughs) Yes. Literally same ranking. I mean, it's Brooke's worst episode, but it's a really good episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And very high stakes, lots of drama. Mm. Just very entertaining to see, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, like, I love when there's a big party in a show, like, or in an episode. It just, like, I don't know, it's fun. You feel like you're there, and there was just, I love the moments between Lucas and Peyton. I don't mind spending every day <laughs> out on your corner in the pouring like, rain. Brooke dares Peyton to kiss Lucas, and then they're standing under the tree by the swing, and she's like, want to play again? I just love that. That's <laughs> <laughs> just so cute. That's <laughs> so wonderful. And then obviously when they go to the bedroom, but then that stops, of course. But ugh. This is a good show. It is a good show. I love that episode. It's like one of the episodes where I think, I don't know, it's just when I think of season one, that's one of my favorites. And that's why I put it as number two. Did you get that a five out of five? Yeah. I think that was my first five out of five. And then, ah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Oh my God. Um, I know what your number one is. I feel like you know what my number one is. You're- yeah. <laughs> Your number one is obviously episode 12, Crash Course of Polite Conversation because of latent sexy times. Yes, definitely. But what was your, wait, what was your number two? Mine is The Wish Impossible Things, The Boy Toy Auction. That's your number two? That's my number one. Oh, 
My number two, my number two is Life in a Glass House. Oh, oh, we both put that the same one. I forgot. Okay. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> we put that in the same slot. My number one is Crash Course and Blake Conversation because of <laughs> obvious reasons that we've already stated, and I won't go into them again. But Layton, 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 Layton. My my boy toy auction episode is just because like the episode's just a fun one it really is like i find that that's an episode if i ever like want to have like a good day i will watch that episode it's fun and lighthearted, but also there's some like deep stuff in there too like it's oh it's yeah everything brooke's pregnancy scare oh yeah that's how it ends i always forget that because <laughs> it's such a fun episode that you're like Oh, shit, cliffhanger. <laughs> I know, and it's like a blip in the Tree Hill universe, you know, that's resolved in the next episode rather quickly. She's not pregnant, but... Oh, yeah, of course. So, should we get into some listener mail and listener feedback? Ooh. We have a few different emails on a range of different topics. Yeah. So, let's start off with Kate's email. This was about um, the Beach House Party episode, which I believe was 104 crashing mm-hmm. to you so you guys covered this in episode 104 but when everyone is at the beach house for the party and they are playing i never you guys said you didn't understand why lucas told nathan then you're welcome to mine well the reason he says that is because when they are playing nathan says i've never had a dad that wished i was a stain on the bed sheets just wanted to clarify that for you keep it up you're doing a great job with the podcast thank you so much Thanks, Kate. really appreciate that I think that really does clarify things. I was always confused about what he meant, but based on Kate's email, it sounds like Lucas is telling Nathan, then you're welcome to my dad. Yeah, that's, (laughs) it's funny, like, it it took, like, Kate writing that out for me to actually understand it. It makes sense, but I still feel like it's it's a really strange scene. It's still poor writing because, like, he should have just, he should have used the noun there. Like, then you're welcome to my dad. Like, it just doesn't make sense what he's referring to. Like, what is the mine, you know? Yeah. that's. I was confused. I was like, you're welcome to my drink? Like, it's word. it was worded very weird, and I still can't get over that. Or maybe Kate is just smarter than both of us. Probably. I don't don't know. But that was, like, a really interesting, like, little piece of it. I was like, oh, okay. There was, like, a moment where, like, smacked my forehead. I'm like... Oh, I got it. <laughs> I know. And like that scene has always confused me. Every time I rewatch it, I think the same thing. What is being said here? There could be <laughs> there could be like like this is a moment where it's supposed to be like a diss, you know? <laughs> like he's dissing <laughs> Nathan, basically. Or he's mm-hmm. like having a, a comeback to what Nathan said. But there could have been something more witty, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Instead, we were just like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But uh, let's move on to this next email. This message is from Marielle. Caitlin and Jeremy, this is the first time I'm emailing, but I have been listening to the pod every week. It even inspired me to rewatch the series. Since I'm quarantined and alone, it's great to hear familiar voices, and I occasionally chime in out loud as if you could hear me, LOL. Anyway, I have some thoughts about Keith drinking a beer in this episode. And I should clarify, this is about episode 113, where where Keith uh, has, a, has a few drinks, or has a beer, as far as we know, and then gets into the car accident with Lucas. 
Rewatching the season, I realized that writers were dropping hints about drinking being a larger issue and how Keith was using alcohol as a coping mechanism. Keith and Whitey would drink whiskey or scotch at Whitey's office in a number of scenes, and Keith was even drunk in an episode. Question mark. It's been a few months since I've rewatched, so I might be mixing up seasons. So for me, I think Keith asking for a beer was implying that he had more than beer to calm his nerves about Karen coming home. What do you all think? Can't wait to listen to more. Thanks, Muriel. Thank you so much. I think Muriel's right. I just feel as though the writers didn't make that clear. Still. That he was drinking a little bit more. He probably was drinking more than just a beer. He he probably was. And it was a few hours before, and he was trying to calm his nerves. And Yeah. Yeah, like, Keith and Whitey are always seem to be drinking in the office, which that is very questionable. <laughs> <laughs> How any kind of coach, educator, or whatever would be drinking on a school, um, on school grounds. Is, right. That's a whole nother <laughs> rant, but okay. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, overall he was drinking more. Most likely, but the writing isn't clear behind that. Yeah, an interesting um, note to that, though. Um, for the, I don't think we've mentioned this in our discussion of the pilot, but in the commentary for the pilot episode, the creator of the show mentions that they didn't want Keith necessarily to have a drinking problem, but they wanted him to have a little bit of an edge. They want the show him being like very disheveled and whatnot, so they wanted to try to show him drinking. Then they decided to move Keith in a different direction, as far as that's concerned. So I almost wonder if this is, like, a leftover from, like, that sort of, from that whole plot line. And I feel like, when you're describing that, it's making me think how they really wanted to define these two brothers, Dan and Keith. Like, Dan Mm -hmm. is this businessman. I mean, they're both businessmen, but Dan is this businessman with a whole dealership, and he's clean cut, and he's always in a suit, versus his brother has just a car garage, which they're making it seem like that's not even a good thing to have. In reality, it's his own business, so that's an accomplishment. (laughs) That's bizarre. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, they're trying to make Keith more rugged, and the drinking just adds to that. Don't you think? Of course, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, Marielle, basically you are right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, lo- I love receiving, like, thoughts from listeners who are like, yep, I agree. So th- this is just encourages all of you. Like, feel free to send us emails. We might get shit wrong. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> like, let us know. We definitely do get things wrong. And speaking of, we have another email from Valeria. And this is a- about The Little Prince, which was one of the literary references in episode 111, The Living Years. Hello. I was listening to your podcast of season one, episode 11, and when you talked about The Little Prince and the literary reference, I actually think it has plenty of stuff to do with the episode on the show. This book was my favorite when I was younger, and it shows how life can be so different from the plain, trivial things of daily life if you look at it through the eyes of a child. This is displayed mostly in season one through the core five and their relationships with their parents. In this episode, it's both Nathan's relationship with his parents and how ridiculous it all seems to him, how his perspective is different and no one really understands, so he rebels against them the best way he knows how. Peyton also struggles to get her dad to notice how she's feeling, how she sees things, so maybe in a deeper level, I'm not sure if this is what the writers were aiming for, but still, it has everything to do with The Little Prince. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, 
but I wanted to give you my point of view. Anyway, cool podcast. Thanks, Valeria. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to read the original quote from that episode, just so everyone has some context of what that little prince... Oh, please do. It was the very end of the episode. Let me just flip into my notebook. Oh, okay. And find that. <laughs> oh, some ASMR. We get to see your notebook pages turning. All right, this is a Lucas voiceover at the very end of 111. And the little prince said to the man, Grown-ups never understand anything for themselves, and it is tiresome for children to always be explaining things to them. So basically, I think Valeria's accurate, and I think I kind of originally, and when we were discussing this in 111, I said it didn't really have too much to do with the episode. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I know the quote re- definitely related to the show, but I like the examples that Valeria pulled out about Nathan's relationships with his parents and how he's not really, like, understood by them. He just kind of feels different from his parents. And then, like, also, Valeria said Peyton also struggles to get her dad to notice how she's feeling. And I think the Little Prince quote is basically just saying, you know, like, kids have a different perspective than their parents do. And that is interesting because One Tree Hill is all about the teens' perspectives, but also the adults' perspectives, too. And as we saw throughout the whole season, there is a big contrast between them. So I I would agree with Valeria that there is there is a connection for sure. I don't know about the story as a whole, but that quote definitely relates to One Tree Hill. Wow. Do you have any thoughts? I I don't really. I'll say yeah, this just goes according to the whole what we always say. Like we are complicated people, <laughs> and we can change our minds just like you did. Exactly. <laughs> Eventually, we'll rewatch the entire series, do a part two of this podcast, and then we'll be like, we'll just do completely different ratings for each episode. Oh my gosh, a round two? Oh boy. It'll only only take like 20 years, no big deal. (laughs) Anyhow. Our next message is from C, and she messaged us about season one, episode 12, Crash Course and Polite Conversation. Hi, you guys. I just listened to this week's episode, and I want to share my perspective on two discussion points y'all had. One, my understanding of why Nathan rejoined the team. I think finding out that Dan walked away because he couldn't handle the pressure anymore sort of shifts Nathan's own perspective in the sense that his father quitting halfway through means he could be, quote-unquote, better than him and see his basketball career all the way through. So much of the pressure that Nathan felt playing the game had a lot to do with his dad constantly reminding him that he'll never be as good as him, that the only reason he didn't make it was because of a knee injury that turned out to be a lie, and so now this isn't something can hold over Nathan ever over again because he wants to make it a point that Nathan can do what Dan couldn't. It's a little bit skewered, but he's also a competitive teenager, lol. Two, Y'all, I really thought Keith invited Whitey to dinner just so his friend could have front row seats to the inevitable mess that event would be. LOL. I I don't think either were expected it to get as heavy as it did. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about how it's something I would do with my best friend. Ha ha ha. See, Jeremy, (laughs) I was right. (laughs) You know what, Caitlin? Okay, I am petty to the point where I would do something like that, too. 
But I would not do it if there was a child involved. There is a child in that room. Yeah. Two children. We got Nathan and Haley. That's true. That's the only thing that got, like, that left a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, but it's Like, if you're going to be petty, make sure minors aren't involved. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, but it's just so funny, though. (laughs) Keep bringing Whitey to Dan's birthday? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so good. I love it. Well, if... if you ever want to be petty at my birthday dinner, like, at least I'm never having children. <laughs> so, that is a choice, by the way. It's not because I'm gay. That is a choice. I do not want children. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just saying, Caitlin, if you ever, if you and I ever have a feud and you want to be petty at my birthday dinner, please do not do it in front of any hypothetical children I may or may not have. Okay, I won't. <laughs> Um, but what about the whole thing about Nathan and, you know, wanting to be better than his dad? I feel like that made a lot of sense, actually, how C put it. Yeah, I, I would agree with her thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it does give Nathan a different perspective about the basketball as a whole, you know? Yeah. Like, there's all this pressure on him to do what his dad didn't want to do. I, I don't know. It does put things into perspective. Right. And I think it kind of gives him some motivation to do, like, what C-, C says, to be better than him, basically. That's a that's a very valid point, though. Like, he just wants to... He can finally be better than his dad. Like, I, I just feel like C, like, really hit the nail on the head, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just so. basically reiterating what C said, so I completely yeah, agree. so we're just, we're just repeating <laughs> everything you wonderful <laughs> listeners are saying to us, and you know what? That's great. That's cool. I love all these messages. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, and we have one more. Yes, we do. From a person that everyone knows already, Jenna Lenskull. <laughs> Hell yeah. One of our guest hosts. Who guested on season one, episode 18, to Wish Impossible Things, the Boy Toy Auction episode. Which was super, super fun. Yes. So she emailed us, friends. The episode yesterday was a delight. I loved being part of it, and I'm ashamed at how many times I laughed out loud at myself. Kudos to you both for a great editing job. Uh, Fun fact, we did not edit out very much. (laughs) (laughs) Just to point that out there, Jenna. (laughs) I have a season one recap question for you guys. Feel free to answer. If you have time, it fits into that episode. What are your top three favorite songs from season one? Not musical moments. Just songs. Right, Jeremy? Caitlin's going to be the guy. <laughs> Still wanting to cuddle the shit out of Jake Jagowski? Jenna. <laughs> yes, Jenna. Yes. <laughs> oh. We can share. It's fine. <laughs> so good. So, so Caitlin had an anxiety attack about, like... About ranking these, so um, I, I feel like you want to get this off your chest, and I want to let you go first. Please talk to me, Jeremy. I had a whole planning document for the songs and musical <laughs> moments, and then possible contenders that I was undecided about. <laughs> I went through every song on the Spotify playlist. <laughs> it was a lot. Oh my god! Tell us, tell us your ranking. Okay. Well, first off, I want to say one thing. Yes. The pilot has the best music overall of the whole season. I still okay. I still go back to the pilot episode, and there's so many good songs in it. 
And I needed to say that on the podcast because I had to get that off my chest. Like, you get drift, hands down, aftertaste, are you going to be my girl, what it is to burn, rest in pieces, easy. Like, there's a million songs that are good in that episode. And I, I right. know I said it before, back in the pilot, that I was surprised at how good the music was. Well, I'm still surprised. And, okay, I had to get that off my chest first. There's just really, really I'm good glad music. You did. Anyway, so my favorite songs overall in the season. Very difficult decision. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, I know we're going to get to our musical moment in a little bit. My favorite musical moment is also my favorite song. So I'm going to share that later. So I'm going to just share my two, number two and number three pick. Okay. So my number three is Dare You to Move by Switchfoot. Which played right. in 108. What scene does that play, Doran? I don't remember that song. <laughs> the Nailly Kiss. <laughs> the first one. Hell yeah. I just love, I mean, I love that moment too, but I love that song and I've always loved that song. So I- it's just fantastic. I just think of being a teenager and listening to that song. So, oh, I just love it. And then another song that I really love from this season, and I know it was on the official, like, one Tree Hill, the first soundtrack, music soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Reoffender by Travis, which played, this will be my number two pick. This played oh, in two yeah. episodes, 109 and 110. So it's when Peyton went to Lucas to tell her, or to, when Peyton went to Lucas to tell him that she wanted to be with him, but then Brooke's there. And the, mm-hmm. the next episode picks up with the same song and Peyton's leaving. So, I mean, I obviously love that scene, too, but I just love that song. I think of that song in season one, so I couldn't not pick it. I forgot about that one, to be honest. That is a good one, though. Good moment and good song, I should say. Yeah. What about you? So, my number three pick is Harder to Breathe by Maroon 5, because I'm a sucker for a good sex song. I know that's, like, part of the musical moment. It's the one where uh, Brooke and Lucas, um, they make out in the hot tub. Well, have sex in the hot tub, I'm assuming. Ed's... I, don't know, I just think that song is just sexy. I just enjoy I it. I knew you were going to choose that one. <laughs> Even outside of like the context of that episode, like I just love that song so much. Oh my That's God. It's a good one. Um, my number two pick is another Maroon 5 song, She Will Be Loved. Because who hasn't listened to that song while just while crying in a room alone? <laughs> or looking outside a car window with rain pouring down. Who hasn't <laughs> listened to that song? It's a beautiful song. Oh, so good. Um, but I'd I say my number one favorite, though, is All Kinds of Time by Fountain of Wayne. Really? Yes. Which played during uh, Coda for Spearing in the Night, the Sparkle Classic episode. I don't know. I just feel like that song's just very dramatic. Like, th- that's a song I just want to, like, vibe with and chill with. It's just a pretty song. It's a dramatic one, yeah. Exactly. Okay, I like those choices. Thank you so much. But... While we're on the topic of music now, do you want to just talk about our favorite musical moments, not song, of the entire season? Yes. So my favorite musical moment is also my number one song of the season, which is Maybe Tomorrow by Stereophonics. Of course it fucking is. (laughs) It, It is one of my favorite songs and musical moments of the whole series. Like, I love it that much. I always love that moment. But I've always attached, like, I attached that song to that moment. But I genu- genuinely like the song by itself. 
And it was when I first started to make my original One Tree Hill soundtracks or mixtapes or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> that was the first song on the first one. So it has to be my favorite. Hell yeah. <laughs> I respect that. Oh, I love it so much. Well, uh, my favorite is... Which is, this is funny, too, because I did not pick this as my favorite song of that episode. Um, I picked Dare to Move by Switchfoot as my favorite musical moment. Yes! Because the moment's just so iconic! It really is. So, like, ugh, it's so romantic. I know that, you know, we had a discussion about, like, the like the consent issue there and whatnot, but it was just still so good. Like, when when Haley jumps up to his arms and then the camera angles and everything and then the songs fly and then it's just like, then they move apart and then it's like, now what? Like, oh, it's so good. I love it so much. It is so good. It's like the best song for that moment. Oh my God. Absolutely. Oh, the music in this show just gives me all the feels and I can't handle it. Like when I was coming up with my list, I'm like, I'm getting all the feels again, just listening to every song. And I've heard these songs a million times. Montreal definitely has the best soundtrack of any show, show or movie, it I would really say. It really the best music ever. And I, I'm in love with it. I'm going to marry it. I'm just going to marry the music. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sure that's legal. You know, that's fine. Unlike teen marriages. I know. I mean, which are legal, I guess, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, what was your favorite quote of the whole season? So this is tough because there are a bunch of good quotes. But if I had to, like, choose just, like, in a split second, if I had to choose, it always comes back to this moment. I'll be seeing you. Wow. Okay. Very simple. Very simple. <laughs> but it, oh, it's just like, it's an iconic, and I know we said iconic too many times, but it's an iconic pilot <laughs> scene. And I just, oh, I love it to death. Right. But there were so many other good quotes too. It was really hard to choose. What is your favorite? Mine was on the complete opposite end of the season, and I picked the one from the season finale, Karen's speech. Yeah, that was a contender. You you know the one. You know the one. Yep. Should I do a dramatic reading of it? <laughs> Go for it. Because I'm sure the listeners like really missed out on the dramatic <laughs> reading from the last episode, because we just played the clip. <clears throat> Come here. I want to talk to you for a minute. I know you're searching for things, Lucas. And I hope with my, all my heart that you find the answers to your questions. But the answers that you're looking for are closer than you think. They're in your heart. And in the hearts of those who love you. And that is right here. At home. In your life, you're going to go to some great places. And you're going to do some wonderful things. But no matter where you go, or who you become... This place will always be with you. You, Traumatic you play pause. a good Karen. That was really good. <laughs> There's, I'm not done. <laughs> there is only one tree hill. And it's your home. Oh my gosh. I love you, my boy. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, so for the One Tree Hill reboot, I am going to be playing Karen Rowe. <laughs> you just, just so you all know, I will be taking the part of Karen Rowe. I'll also be playing Brooke Davis. Oh, wow. You know, it's going to be a dwell role. Wow. That's dynamic. 
What can I say? Like the, the cast of directors were just like really confused. Like which one would, which one would Jeremy Rodriguez like be better at? Like he's got to do both, of course. <laughs> so who who do I play? You can be Whitey. <laughs> Why is that the first character you think of? I don't know. It was just like I, I was trying to come up with something funny to say, and I'm just like that would be the funniest one. Like I'm just gonna say you be Whitey. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can be Whitey, and you could be uh, you could be Dan, because I feel like you know it would be really cool to see like that side of you. I am not playing Dan, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're Whitey and Dan. I'm Karen. <laughs> I'm Karen and Brooke. Cool. Gl- glad we discussed that. Anyway, um, let's talk about our ratings for the entire season. Okay, so I rated the season a three out of five love affairs. Okay. You know, season one, there's some solid episodes in, like, the ones that I chose as my top five. I really loved those episodes. But I feel like there were so many episodes that were just eh. Like, I just rated so many three out of five. And I know moving forward that won't be the case. So, I mean, I've always... I've always loved season one, but I feel like rewatching it and dissecting it now and rating each of the episodes, I didn't realize that I rated it so low. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I think it makes sense. What about you? I also give it three out of five teen marriages. Because, like you said, I feel like there were there were a lot of great moments, but there was a lot of inconsistencies throughout the season that just kind of got up my nerves a little bit, you know? So, I feel like the season is fine. Like, I felt like every episode I watched, like, oh, I want to keep watching. But overall, season one's just pretty average to me. Yeah, it is pretty average. Like, I I was surprised that I rated so many episodes three out of five. Like, throughout. Yeah. I gave quite a few five out of fives. Like, more five out of fives than I thought I would give, actually. But at the end of the day, I feel like the season as a whole, like, it was just fine. Like, you know, at the end of season one, I kept saying, like, oh, I definitely want to keep watching, which... I have started my season two binge, and I'm just saying, like, damn, the show is so fabulous. <laughs> I can't wait to start, like, recording for season two. Yeah, it is. And I, I feel like the yeah. tables turn at the end of season one, so there's lots mm-hmm. of drama to come. <laughs> exactly. So, now that we are done discussing season one, let's talk about some of our plans moving forward. Aren't you excited, Caitlin? I'm super excited. Because Always and Forever is on Patreon, baby! Woo! You can visit us <laughs> at patreon.com slash alwaysothpod, which you will also find a link to in our show notes. This podcast has really been a labor of love. We've really, really enjoyed it, but also it's become like a full-time job. So we could really use yes, it has. <laughs> support from all our listeners. That would really mean a lot to us. So we are going to have uh, three different rewards here. Uh, we have the $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. And we will also have a $1 a month uh, tier if you just want to give us a little bit of support, um, which is fine as well. And keep in mind, it's no pressure whatsoever if you can't afford it. Uh, this economy kind of sucks, so we understand that. But we would really love to hear from you. So with these Patreon funds, we plan to hire an editor so we can free up time in the production process and focus on what we love to do, which is watching and discussing One Tree Hill with all of you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
Additionally, we will use these funds to cover hosting fees because, believe it or not, just having a podcast existing on any sort of podcast feed, that costs a little bit of money, believe it or not, which was something we were kind of shocked about. <laughs> so that would help us tremendously. We can make sure this podcast keeps existing. And we will also use these funds to purchase better equipment so we can make this podcast sound better and more crystal clear. And if we continue to receive funds, who knows what direction this podcast will go in. The world is our oyster at this point. I'm excited to see what will happen. Exactly. Um, now, I'm sure some of you are wondering, like, okay, we're giving you some money, but what else? What's in it for me? Which, that is completely fine and valid. So, in exchange, you will get early access to episodes before anyone else. Plus, you can get some extra bonus content, depending on the tier that you choose. And plus, and this is the thing that Caitlin and I are most excited for, you will gain access to a private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners. We've got to know some of you through social media, but it's going to be very excited to chat with you a little bit more intimately. And bringing the whole always and forever community together. Exactly. I was going to say, do we have like fan names? Like, <laughs> like I, I want like a little monsters or, or type deal. We're gonna have to think about that. <laughs> yeah, or the community. Like, feel free. Like, come up with like a name for us. We would we would love to see that happen. <laughs> Give yourselves a fan name, and we will be launching season two on. I know this is the news you've all been waiting for. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I'm going to reveal it soon! (laughs) We'll be launching season two on Tuesday, July 27th. However, let me reveal this to you. On our Patreon right now, you will be able to access the first three episodes. (gasps) So you'll be able to listen to them much earlier than anybody else if you join us on Patreon. So, very, very excited, and we hope to see you in our private Discord server. I'm so, so excited. Me too. It's gonna be great! Alright, Caitlin, I guess we have to say goodbye until that, even though I don't want to. I know, I guess so, but we'll be back really soon. Hell yeah! Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin Olenich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. And I am Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans, new and old, find us. And once again, you can join our community of listeners in our private Discord server over on Patreon. You can say that you are joining our desperate kingdom of love (laughs) which we will also be discussing on (laughs) july 27th (laughs) which is the first episode of season two keep in mind if you do not want to hear the episode description that caitlin is about to read because you don't want spoilers shut off the podcast right now good reminder jeremy did you shut it off did you shut it off okay cool it's on you now taken from our oth dvd box sets the description reads Dan's heart attack brings Lucas and Keith back to Tree Hill, and Peyton and Brooke patch up their friendship. But Deb erupts in anger when she finds there's a new Mrs. Scott, her son's wife, Haley. We'll be seeing ya.